This is an interview with Life of Scars on Sunday, February 20th, 2022 by Nick Perkel. Now, starting things off, can you each introduce yourselves and tell me how long you've been in the band and a little description on yourself? Anthony? Uh, I'm Anthony Walker. I play the drums. Uh, we all started the band together. Um, what year? 15 or something? Yeah, about 15, I would say. Something like that. I'm Wayne, uh, Wayne. I'm Wayne nice. Abney. I uh, play bass and sing. We, me and Anthony started the band probably back in 2015. It was kind of a takeoff from uh, Hammerwitch Reunion we did. And uh, we wanted to keep playing and have which didn't. I mean, some, some things, and so me and Anthony just stuck together and uh, we just pushed forward and we ended up with Life of Scars. <clears throat> I'm Michael Hebner. I play guitar. And uh, I don't know, 17 or 18, when did I join? They, they ah, did it for 16, a couple of years. Huh? Yeah, I mean. They did it for a couple of years and then they finally got me in. I was doing other things. Tell them the story, dude, when I came <laughs> So I was playing in another band for three or four years, and and that band did a lot of uh, weekend shows. We, we constantly in the in the truck playing all around Texas, and I just had no time to do anything else. And I got sick and tired of it, no money, no nothing, coming home with nothing, and, and, and quit, bailed on it. And four days later, I'm standing in <laughs> a bar, and Wayne walks by me, who I've known since the 80s. And he looks, stops, backs up and looks at me and goes, didn't you just quit your band? I said, yeah. He said, you haven't called me. It's been four days. He goes, you haven't called me. It's been four old days. You haven't called me yet. I said, we're looking for a guitar player, dude. He's like, damn, I didn't know. Yeah. So he come over and worked out, man. Worked out great. And we started writing together, you know. Anthony and I have been in a couple of different bands together through the years. So all good friends for a long time. Yeah. What's been going on with Life of Scars in between When the Devil Walks In and the new EP Creates a Sin? Well, we kept getting shows canceled because of COVID. We kept booking shows and getting them canceled. And you practice and get ready to do warmed up and do a good show. And and then uh, so so screw it. We stopped booking and we started writing songs, you know. And so really what went, what went on is what our second record, personally, I, I wanted to do something, you know, a little bit more in depth with the vocals you know the first record was just like a real pissed off scream out scream old fucking record right and we was all into it but then the second we just wanted to drill a little bit deeper and get a little bit more musical and show and show some of you that we do have depth and we're just not a one-trick pony type of thing so i I dug in real deep with some vocals mike got real melodic with some of more of the rhythms and i don't know you've listened to the both of them you can see we just like i said we wanted to show some more structure some more depth in what we can do we didn't want to put out exactly the same album again we wanted to do something new give somebody something fresh still angry and heavy but new you haven't heard before how often are you guys practicing and what kind of equipment are you using at your shows uh we jam probably once a week sometimes twice a week uh, together right together, together in, the, in the jam room yeah and uh, i'm good you go it's fine well i mean we, we, we rehearse once a week with the songs, right? But we're working on the stuff constantly. Mike's working on stuff at his house. This is my place with the studio. I work on stuff constantly here, but we all got regular jobs. So, I mean, that takes a lot of our time. But as far as writing goes, we're always coming to the practice room with new ideas or stuff mm -hmm. like that, you know? But as far as rehearsing goes, we go once a week, but we're always playing, right? Either at home, Anthony's got multiple projects he works with. So it's, it's not like we just touch our guitars once a week. 
I think Anthony lives in the jam room, don't you? <laughs> Almost, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's it like being a musician in the DFW area right now, putting on shows? <laughs> it's tough. It's very tough. We get uh, lots of COVID problems and clubs closing and and bands canceling and jumping around. But uh, it, it's pretty hard. But uh, what are you going to do, you know? We sat home forever not playing, and that drove us crazier than anything. I think you come to the point, dude, you just got to realize what you're doing with your life. And because the music scene and the music business right now is just total bullshit, you know? I mean, there's zero going on. So, I mean, a lot of weak guys would just say, oh, why am I even playing? Well, I don't know, you know, I play because it's what the fuck I got to do, right? Whether there was zero scene or zero money, which is basically what it is. It's an outlet. I'm a musician. I've been playing since grammar school. And that's it's kind of, I think we're all together on that. You know, it's like, you know, you can't worry about what's going on in the scene and base your life around that because you'll be one miserable son of a bitch. You know, I don't, there's just I don't, not a lot going on out there. I don't play to be in a band. I play, I've always played. I don't know any different. I play multiple instruments and it's just what we do. I mean, we just play because that's who we are. It doesn't matter if there's a scene or not. I would still be playing. Yeah, that scene. I'm going to tell you about that scene. I was here to start their fucking scene. <laughs> mm. And my old band with Amherst, they didn't even know what a scene was. <laughs> so when did the writing for the EP uh, Create a Sin start? I guess, um, can you give me an order on how the songs came together? Drunken Idiot was first, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, yeah. It I wasn't Drunken Idiot. That I think, and Bow, that and Bow. I think, we had, I think we had riffs for Drunken Idiot when we were... Uh, when devil was finished i think we've, we've got riffs that, that come with us for years and years and eventually they turn into something and then we've got fresh ones that fall out of the sky and and uh, a unique process but i think we had the riffs to drunken idiot first i think well, Wayne had some riffs and we kind of kick it back and forth until we find something we like something works and then we wrote a few other songs and 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 drunken idiot wasn't finished yet because we were always looking for that ending for that that big finish so look, Nick, to back up a little bit, we're going to mesh this question kind of with the one before that mm -hmm. about what happened in between the first and second album. Well, number one, me and Anthony built motorcycles all, all, what, all winter or summer. We built, us, we, we built some motorcycles, some, some Harleys, right? Because mm -hmm. COVID hit and there was, wasn't nothing to do. And I've always been in the bikes. Anthony got a new bike and we built, we fixed our bikes and built them and shit. And in the meantime, we was coming in the studio and writing riffs and figuring out, trying to figure out our plan forward. And you don't have a plan forward unless, number one, you got riffs. So we had some riffs. Mike was writing some solo shit he's doing. And so me and Anthony kind of had some riffs. We was throwing around the studio. And we ended up with, uh, I think we ended up with a uh, Drunken Idiot. And that started. We didn't even know it was going to be called that. It was just something that happened. That was like spur of the moment shit, the way we come up with the, word, with the words for that. Mike started writing some riffs. And the riffs just started coming together. And so mm -hmm. we said, man, we just made, I started putting words to them. And then once we got words, we get back in the practice room and we'll work them up, you know? We were in the jam room working on Idiot. And I think Anthony's dad said, yeah. you need to call it Drunken Idiot. Yeah, and it was like a light bulb over the head. Oh, my God. Yeah, we were just calling it Idiot at first. We were just calling it Idiot. He said Drunken Idiot. Anthony's dad goes, Drunken Idiot. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. And at one point between the two records, I got COVID and I had to spend three weeks out. And I come back and they've got a couple of songs and riffs working. And I'm like, hey, what about me? So I went home and. and uh, yeah, so he gets pissed off and goes home and writes fucking uh, 
Creative, Creative Sins. Sins. I went home and wrote most of Creative Sins. Of course, I bring it home when we arrange it all. I bring it back and we arrange it all together, but. And we'd have no words to it. Then we was going to call it something totally different. Yeah. And then once I started getting my head around that practice, I'll take it at practice and I'll take the words here and just sit with the headphones on and think of some, what kind of words I'm going to put. And then he, he unknowingly, Mike gets all musical on, on Creative Sins and changes modes. He's got Lacorium mode. I can't even name the modes, but he's going through different modes in his, in his chord structure. You know, he's getting real musical. And so that really, that, 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 that's really like the, um, the vision of this whole album was to be more musical, more depth, more melodic, you know? And, and so he comes up with this and it's like, okay, this is where we're going with this record. That's fine with me. We can show people, you know, let's just show some, like I said, some texture, some, 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 you know, moving forward, right? So what was the original title of Create of Sins before you uh, changed it? <laughs> don't let them in. Don't, no, yeah, don't, don't let them in. in. Yeah, yeah. Don't let them in. Don't let them in. <laughs> now we don't even use that line in the yeah. song at all. Because you see what happens is when it comes up with a rhythm at practice, I'll just go off. I'm just, I just got to hear a rhythm, dude, not come up with some shit in my head. So at practice, I'm hearing the rhythm. And so, so just to put words to it at practice so we have some kind of structure so we know where to change and stuff, I'll start singing some stuff to it. You start looking for that vocal pocket. You're right. Once right, he finds right. that vocal pocket, you know, then it's just a matter of plugging in words to fit. So I took that song home. That was like one of the ones that took me almost the longest to write, man. It was just like, I had to get back. I'm not really used to being in story mode. I usually just do things off the top of my head and, and place it, you know, like drunk and hit it was easy. That's just, just words that comes to me, right? But this is more, Creative Sins is more of a storyline there if you really get into it. And I haven't wrote story songs since old Hammerwood's days. And just had, I had changed from that. So I, went, I had to get my mind back in that story writing mode. And so that song is more of a written story. You can actually read the words and not listen to the music. And it makes a little sense, you know? What albums were you guys listening to during the writing and recording of Creative Sense? Uh, pretty much the same crap I've been listening to for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't listen to nothing. When I'm, when I'm writing, dude, I don't listen to nothing. I might listen to a little country music when I'm riding around in my car, but I don't want to be influenced, you know? When I'm writing words and I'm writing, trying to find vocal pockets and shit, the last thing I want to do is end up being influenced by something I heard that day and it sticks in your subconscious and you don't even know it. You know, mm -hmm. next thing you know, you go to put music, you put words to your music and you subconsciously filtering you, you, or streaming this other stuff that you listen to. So I purposely won't even really listen to nothing, dude. I want to make sure it's 100% it's authentic what I'm doing from, no. you know, to portray me or us, right? 90% of the time I listen to classical music. The other 10% is all over the board, everything from country to jazz and metal and you know but 90 percent of what i listen to is classical music yeah and he's talking about while we was recording it i made damn sure that i didn't listen all the time I, yeah i mean <laughs> you're right if i'm just jamming around in my car i got you know it's good old black sabbath 13 you know that's mm. been my latest jam that black sabbath 13 good that stuff. god is dead song it's got a real good bass that's sound good stuff, yeah, yeah. <laughs> something, something with a good mix good production mm. i love it when it came to the writing of this EP, what was your favorite memory on the initial spark for one of the new songs? I jumped the gun on that one. I should have said Anthony's dad suggesting a drunken idiot. That was one. Yeah, that, that was, was a good one. A, that was definitely a big one. I really yeah, expected mine, them to. Of course. Yeah, I really I expected them to shoot down uh, Creative Sins when I brought it to them because it is very different from us. It's, it is a lot more musical and challenging to sing over than the normal chugging and E riff. 
And I expected Wayne to go, no, but he got all excited about it, which was good for me. It made me dig deep on that. No, it did, because I didn't realize what was going on with these with these modal changes at first. I was just I just knew something was different here. And it's like, okay, I need to get my get get into my singing voice here for this shit. This ain't just gonna be yelling, you know? And uh, but I got a different one for you. Me and Anthony was over here one night, and we was just Anthony had these riffs that he bring from the house for that bow to none song. And we really didn't have no words to it, you know. And we were sitting here over here and we had like a, a let's say a guest over. And uh, things just kind of got complicated through the evening with the party, right? And it was one of them parties that just should have ended early, but it didn't end early. And me and Anthony kept trying to write this, this, this song in the studio and he had the riffs and I was trying to load the shit up and the night was going longer and longer. And then this unwanted guest kind of kept pushing and going, things going on and kind of run, kind of run that little party. And when everything was over, after this guy finally left, me and Anthony came back up in the room, and it was like four in the morning, I answered whatever the world. I said, give me the mic, dude. I'm just going to go after it for what I feel. And I got the mic, put the headphones on, and just went after that bow to none. It just kind of came right out. And I can remember me and Anthony just sitting there laughing our ass off, listening back to it, because it was just like it clicked. Like you're talking about, it just clicked, listening back to it. It was like a one-take thing. Of course, we yeah. did it a bunch of times since then. But I mean, you got the meat and the potatoes down, and the whole idea. I mean, just came off the top of my head with that, with that, with the main verse and the and and the catch, right? And then I yeah, mean, we're I, trying to write a song with this other guy all night. Yeah, I mean, we're and then we to, leave, then we put this other song together in ten minutes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, the meat and potato parts of it. It was it was it sticks in my mind because the way the night went, right? And the way the whole <laughs> night was found. Who would think at at the end of the night we ended up coming with coming up with that? So it kind of saved the evening, right? And I, it's just really, it was, I think it's a really catchy song, you know, and, and especially with everything that's going on in these times. What was your band's philosophy on how to record this album? Were you trying to really focus or highlight anything? It's a little more vocal driven. It's a little more vocal, uh, melodically, vocally melodic than our past. So uh, a little catchier, a little, I don't know if catchier is the right word, because the last one was just. More singing. It's got more singing than just yelling and 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 talking. You know, I don't know how to explain it. It's like you know, my focus was the vocals. It's got harmonies. It's got all you can ask for, right? Before there was no harmonies in the vocals. It might have been double tracks and shit like that. But my focus was on the vocals. We knew that was going to go the same process as far as you know production and shit. We had the same guys still on the hook. The same engineer was still there. We just had to go through a different process to get to him, right? But we still was able to get to the engineer we wanted. We still had the mastering plant that we used for the first album. Our main concern was not on production. We knew we had that all in line, right? We, we wanted the same production, the same quality. But we wanted, like I said, I, I focused myself on getting a different, some different vocals in there, some harmonies, some, hmm. some in-key, online, you know, two, three-layer harmonies and just more melodic stuff. That was my focus. And then, you know, like I said, Mike focused on doing different guitars, but we knew where we wanted to go, right? Just wanted to expand on what we've done in the past. And I and I really think we'll tend to con continue in that direction and not write the same record again, because it's just not who we are. We always tend to try and push for something new, something we haven't done before. I mean, the take home thing from this, Nick, is we can go any way we want. Hmm. That, that's what we're showing here. I want to go back to yelling and screaming, hey, don't, don't take me up, but a, but a flip of a switch, right? We want to do this. It's the same thing. So, so look forward to having being versatile. You know, Alrighty, yeah. look forward to, to to not figuring out what we're going to do next. 
We're going to do the unexpected, Nick. <laughs> okay, cool. When you guys are driving around, what's your favorite song from Create of Sins to blast in your car? They're all, they're oh, all he's full babies. of shit. He likes Creative Sins. They're all, they're all my babies. They're all my children. I can't favor one over another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I got four of them on a CD, right? So I just kind of let, they're not long songs, what, three, four minutes? So they just go. And I just, before they, I don't even take the CD out until they finish. I guess the question would be if he's going to turn somebody on to one. Yeah. And, which, and here's the funny thing. The one I would turn you on to, surprisingly, other people tell me they like another one better. Yeah. So it's kind of happy for me to see different people really have different one of the songs as their favorites. I mean, that's kind of a good thing, right? I mean, I blast them all, brother. If you want a quick less than 10 words answer, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me about what you guys got planned for the release party show coming up next month? Oh, my fucking God. You don't even want to know this story. <laughs> well, it's kind of a fuck story, right? We had a big plans on this release show. We're going to play with um, Last in Line. That's a um, former members of what, Anthony? Uh, Dio's band, I believe, right? Dio, Black Sabbath. Uh... No, it's former members of Dio. They were actually on the record last in line. They wrote it. So yeah, it, was, you know. it was everybody in that band minus Dio, who, of course, passed away. And then at, right after they recorded it, the bass player passed away. So it's two of four. It ought to be a good gig. Everything's looking bright on the from the band side. You know, we just got a little rumblings on the business side that I don't want to even worry about. I mean, that's that, that's neither here or there. But from the gig perspective, is you know, we thought it would be a good gig, play in front of a bunch of people. You know, announce that as a as our CD release party. It's kind of a really one of the best gigs we could get around here for right now. It just ended up being on a Thursday night, and like I said, they got some business things that I don't even want to discuss. As as far as being on. on as a gig, it ought to be a good gig. Get out there. We're going to have our shirts. We're going to have our CDs. It's going to be a good release party. It's going to be nice. It's just a couple little things that, you know. We'll show up and kill it. Just like any mm. business deal. You know what I'm saying, dude? It's got its goods and bads. So hopefully, everybody shows up and we have a good time. Offered free CDs if you buy a ticket, you know. I mean, it's going to be a nice night. Hopefully, you know, last in line, will draw a good crowd. We'll do our thing. They'll do that thing, you know. For each of you guys. What are your three most cherished albums in your music collection relating to uh, Southern metal? Southern metal, huh? <laughs> yeah, so Anthony, you got to go first. You, 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 this is you, dude, all over. Uh, but you can put oh, the Southern man. metal thing in there. You know, I don't know about Southern. That. Southern, I, I hate to say it, Wayne, but Pantera. Um, <laughs> any yeah, of those. They classify Southern metal, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. Any of those? COC? Yeah, I love, that's me too. I mean, Southern Metal, I got to go. I mean, what's Southern Metal anymore? I mean, I didn't even know there was a, such a thing, right? The first down record was awesome. But I mean, Leonard Skinner, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't metal. I only got a few CDs in my shit anyway. It's going to be Black Sabbath. I like the COC. I like the Cavalier Conspiracy. You know, I mean, this is the kind of stuff I got. I mean, then again, I got Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds in there, you know? That's kind of, I'm old school, dude. You know, I don't know anything new that I'm really jamming on. I see. And um, favorite urban legend or ghost story from either Louisiana or Texas? So the back cover of, uh, of When the Devil Walks In is actually a photo that was taken in Jefferson, Texas. We were out on a ghost tour. Jefferson, Texas is supposed to be the most haunted place in Texas. And uh, my fiance and I were out uh, on a ghost tour right around Halloween in Jefferson trying to 
trying to see drum up the spirits, I guess, or something. But we ended up taking photos in the graveyard, and that was the photos I used on when the devil walked in. I just photoshopped the hell out of them. That's my big ghost story. Yeah, if you want to talk about New Orleans, I mean, you got a fucking open book, right? Everything from the cemeteries to voodoo to Marie Laveau's buried there. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? You mess with me. Yeah, g- give me something good <laughs> from New Orleans. Oh, no. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you want to play with the, you believe in voodoo? <laughs> you keep fucking with me, you will. <laughs> you will before next week. Because, Nick, let me tell you something, dude. It's easy to get a picture of people these days. Mm. It might be hard for me to get a lock of your hair, but I start with a picture of you, dude. I didn't believe that. <laughs> I didn't believe that shit. I didn't believe that shit for a second. Until I proved it to him. And then we had somebody that no, uh, no, owed no, us no, money. No, and, no, uh, no. <laughs> and uh, he paid. I was, Let's I leave was it that amazed. Way, I thought it'll never, ever happen. It'll never work. And uh, it, it worked. I don't want to, yeah, we're not going to talk about details, but. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't cross the don't cross the voodoo. Mateka the soul. <laughs> Mateka to you. I'm going to put you to hell. The voodoo. I'm playing with you, dog. Yeah. <laughs> you expert, you got it. I'm a takahu. <laughs> Yo, no, how can guys, uh, like, um, after the interview, like, they see this, like, where do you go online to uh, acquire, like, some Life of Scars albums and stuff? No, dude, we got all we got our own website, lifeofscars.com. You you to buy the albums, you get to go now with the band camp. We sell them up a band camp. I'm gonna fix up the store on lifeofscars.com. But you know, we're putting it out through CD Baby. So you'll be able to go to iTunes Music, you'll be able to go to any any streaming service and get it streamed. Spotify, Spotify. It'll, it'll be on all the streaming services. And and then that's the thing lately, dude. It's so hard to find. You know, back in the day, I used to be able to get distributors and stuff like that. And and, and on the last record, I had uh, promotions. I paid a guy to do promotions to like, you know, radio stations and stuff. It's just every when you, when you got a business that doesn't have a, a good a good plan, you know. I mean, not us, but the music industry in in general. You got all these guys trying to do stuff, but when you got people working with a zero money, they're not going to stay in business for too long. You know, and that's mm. what's happening. You got all these people promoting and trying to do videos and trying to do this, and they last a little while, but they don't last for good because there's no money in it. Dude. They're all fighting over a nickel. Right, and so so the biggest thing for us is, sure, we can get distribution, but where do you get your ads from? How do you get this to the mass amount of people? You know, that's the questions we ask ourselves all the time. Just like, this is a good interview. All your people's going to see who we are and maybe want to go by it. The finding it is not is not the problem. Finding it and, and going by it and, and having access to it's not the real problem. The real problem is how do we find the people to find it? You Promotion. see what I'm saying? How do we promote it to, to, to maximize our, our client base, right? Mm. Just doing stuff like this is very helpful. But I mean, I need, we always looking into that, you know, find somebody that's doing more distribution that we can't do, that they can reach some people that we can't reach, you know? That's the, that's the trick, right? I mean, that's the unanswered questions. I mean, all you can do is keep trying, buying ads, buying people to promote your stuff, trying not to get screwed around, you know? Hmm. Now, would you like to go back to any questions? No, man, we, not really. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm good, dude. You know, we can just bullshit a little if you want, you know? <laughs> I guess, I'm um, good for that. <laughs> well, so since you're here, <laughs> Wayne, um, 
I guess any plans to do uh, a re-release of uh, any Hammer, any Hammer Witch stuff down the line? Well, I don't know. You know, we did that stuff on the first record. We just all those two songs were mine. You know, I wrote those two, and we decided Mike. We, Mike comes from back in the day with the Hammer Witch stuff. He used to be real good friends. He still is. You know, Darren Kovatich, the guy that drew this the record cover. You see that record cover? Mm-hmm. He, he's an artist, dude. And me and Darren still talk on a daily basis. And you know, we was talking about not recording some shit. We've always talked about playing some shit. But to get back to the first statement, and and I said, Mike, you know, we, let's redo a couple of them songs. And Anthony did the reunion with us after the Scotia funeral and shit, and uh, after Scotia died. And so we said, man, let's throw a couple of these songs on that first record. I always wanted to re-sing them because I never did like the vocals on the first on the on the first Hammer Witch, and I'm just if I ever had a chance to redo them, and so we redid them hmm. on that first record, and they really we, we outdid ourselves on those, you know. And so, as far as the Hammer Witch stuff, I don't think we're gonna record anything, dude. Darren's wrapped up with his uh, he's got an acoustic gig, you know. He gets paid every time he plays. I can't knock the guy if he does a hmm. gig for you, you paying him, dude. It's, mm-hmm. it's it. Oh, he ain't playing. You know, it's acoustic and it's it's kind of his solo stuff, but he, he's really into it and he stays working a lot through the year, you know. So I don't know. We don't have really no plans on doing it. I'm always here. We're there. We've invited Darren to come over and play a few times with us. He just never makes practice. He's always got some shit going on. Mm. He's busy, you know. So we just got money. Yeah. So <laughs> we just kind of didn't work. Yeah. That's all he does now. You know what I'm saying? He don't have a regular job. He just plays music. But we're still good friends, and who knows? Anything could happen at some point in time, you know? If he finds time to do something, I'm, I'm open, you know? Cool. So that's now, uh, and uh, I guess for you, what's the coolest hammer witch uh, thing you have in your collection? You need to ask Anthony that question. Yeah, because Wayne, <laughs> Wayne doesn't save anything. Wayne doesn't have any hammer witch shit. He's thrown it all away. It all got lost in Katrina. Anthony's the one that's saving all Wayne's old shit. He's got albums and no, stuff. Only thing I have that's cool is uh, the Return to Salem on vinyl that Michael gave me. from. He bought it original back in the day, and he gave it to me, and I still have it. And I'll always have it. Now, I do have, I do have the masters for that album. Not the masters. I got the final mix and the one-inch tape. I do have that. Sitting in my closet. There you go. Invite Frankie D and let's do an early. I still talk to Frankie all the time. Let's do an early hammer witch. Now you talk. There you go. Return to to Salem. Salem. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I was a fan of him back then and I knew the guys back then. I knew Darren before. And uh, yeah, when he said he was joining Hammer Witch, I was all kinds of excited. I mean, shit, me and Mike, we know how long we've been known each other 20, 30 years. Yeah, something like that since the late 80s, I guess. I've known Darren longer than that. Awesome. Final words, guys. Anthony, start. Just check us out, man. Um, we put a lot of work into this EP. Uh, probably longer than a lot of people put into full albums. So we're really proud of it. Really proud of it. And and Wayne did a great job on the vocals. Really proud of him. He worked his ass off on it. Yes, definitely check it out. Lifeofscars.com. I'll have all the links on there. And we're definitely proud of it. It's more musical than the last one, but still heavy. Uh, if you if you if you're looking for pussy, it, it ain't there. Ain't nothing there. But uh, it's definitely more melodic, and and we're we're very proud of it. We work very hard on it. Get your ass out here and check it out live for one. You, you know, you can listen to the record, but it's not like a live show. And you know, one thing we did do on this this next album, 
is nowhere near as much cussing. I think I said one cuss word. Shit. <laughs> I'm trying to show y'all some depth here. Some fucking pay attention here, you know, because I'm trying to show you something here. Some fucking depth, yeah. Yeah, so no, but no, but really, 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 really come out and see a live show. Get this thing. I mean, like four dollars or five dollars. When you see the work and the quality that we put into it, I've been doing this a long time and I'm not just patting us on the back. I'm saying it's something worth listening to and it's something worth coming seeing live. You know, get out there, let's jam, you know, come see the shit live. And, you know, it's really an experience to check out, is all I can tell you. Listen to the record, man. See what part you like. Come, you know, I guarantee one of these songs is going to hit home with you. Thank you. This has been an interview with Life of Scars on Sunday, February 20th. 2022 by Nick Pertel.